This is Power Players with Dan Clark. Top football players, in my mind, in the country, in the world. And even though we're taking them from the roster of the University of Utah, because I'm an alumni and I played football and baseball there, it's not just an honor and a privilege for me to interview these young men, but it's, a, it's an opportunity for me to ask the questions from the section wherein I sit on the 50-yard line, fourth row, thank you very much. Ask the questions that the fans really want to know. Because when you see an elite athlete like Mr. Hubert competing at the highest level, you see more than muscle and bone going through motion. You see heart, you see sacrifice, you see work ethic. You see a, a, a young man who's put in so much time and learned the steps of resiliency through injury, through heartache, through the ups and downs of winning, the thrill of victory and the agony of defeat, that it's about time that we take them out of their uniforms so you can see that they actually are handsome dogs. You remove that helmet, you take off the pads, and you see that they are character-based young men who came from great homes and raised up with values that we're all proud of, reminding them that they are the University of Utah. We are the message. When they speak, they represent all of us. And as I've studied up on my dear friend, now fast friend, R.J. Hubert, ladies and gentlemen, you need to know as we start this interview, he's exactly the same off-field as he is on-field. Competitive, fire plug, focused, Love of the game, love of family, love of God. This episode is brought to you by Performance Automotive, a number one fan and supporter of the University of Utah Running Utes. Good to have you here, my friend. Yeah, great great to be here. It's an honor and privilege on my part. As we say, number 11 in the program, a one night hot. <laughs> Let's talk. He came from a little teeny town just outside of Las Vegas, Nevada, went to Moapa, Valley High School. Tell us about growing up in your family and the size of your of your school and the size of your graduating class. Yeah, so uh, I grew up with my mom and my stepdad uh, mainly, and I grew up with all sisters. And so I was... How many? A, um, so I have six sisters in total, but I grew up with three of them, um, three half-sisters that I didn't live with. But, uh, but yeah, that household, my mom taught me a lot about about women and about like just how to um just how to live around them and live with them and, and that's helped me a lot in my marriage now so uh grateful for that but yeah uh grew up in that in that household and my mom was uh very loving and very patient with me and I had a uh, uh some issues in my childhood in in terms of like uh my my attitude and my, my anger and stuff like that and um her calmness and patience taught me a lot that was able to help me to become a better person and to instill qualities in me that uh, would be valuable to teaching my children later on in life. So, so that was very helpful. Um, as for Moapa Valley High School, Moapa Valley High School is a place. It's a farming community. Um, I love that place. It's it's got such a special spirit about it. When you come up over that that hill and you drop down into the valley, there's nothing like that feeling. And I've uh, I've noticed that a lot as I've gone and returned back to there after having moved away. Wild um, Valley High School is a, it's a small school. I, I think it had about 530 students when I was there. My graduate total is that nine through twelve or seven through twelve? That's nine through twelve. So yeah, 530 total. My graduating class was about 130. 
Um, so they miss you today. They're like, where's RJ? Yeah, yeah. yeah we hate it when he went away. <laughs> We're down a number. Where, yeah, where is absolutely. He? <laughs> yeah, no, it's definitely a small town, and definitely everybody knows each other, and everybody knows a little bit of each other's business a little absolutely. bit as well. That's how that goes in a small town. But uh, like I said, it's a special place. Okay, so I've had the opportunity to travel the world, travel America, about 50 states. And when I come into a small town, sometimes the mindset is, you have to live small because you're in a small town. And then we remind ourselves it's not the size of the fight and the dog. It's the size of the dog. It's not the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight and the dog. It's not the size of your town. It's the size of your dream. So when did you realize that you wanted to play big-time football, Division One football? I always loved football as a, as a little kid. And uh, when I started playing, I always had a lot of doubts because I was from a small town that I wasn't as good as I hoped to be. And uh, my athletic ability wasn't really validated until I started competing against big-time competition in high school, um, in, in camps, in track meets and stuff like that, not even on the football field, but, but going to camps throughout the country and, uh, and comp- competing against people in track meets that I really understood that, wait, I'm actually athletic enough to, like, keep up and, and – um, you know, maybe I can do this at the next level. So I always had that dream when I was younger. I would say, um, geez, probably like sixth, seventh grade. I used to watch college football. I used to uh, Saturday mornings, man. I looked forward to Saturday mornings. I would turn on uh, ESPN, CBS, Fox, anything, whatever game was on first. I would turn that on and I would watch and I would just sit in my room for hours with the TV on, just doing my own laundry and and watching the games and. At that point, I realized, oh, wait, I want to go do this. I want to do this. Like, this is my dream. College football has always been my favorite sport. So once I got to high school, I really, like, uh, kind of gave up some of the distractions around me, like video games. I stopped playing video games as much. And uh, I focused on working out more and lifting weights and uh, throwing with my quarterback and stuff like that to get in shape and, and, get, and develop the ball skills and put myself out there to get recruited. So in high school, you played wide receiver and – running back, but you were also on the defensive side as well. So you played both ways, obviously, in a small town. Yeah. Yeah, I, I played wide receiver. I played running back. Sometimes they had me in at quarterback, like, for two-point conversion attempts. Um, let's see. I would play, like, corner. I would play safety. Sometimes linebacker. Uh, I was a punt returner, kick returner. Sometimes I even punted, believe it or not. I'm not worth a dang, but... And but he probably yeah. played tuba in the marching band. You just had to get out of the <laughs> halftime talk to go out there and perform a little bit. I'm a lousy musician. <laughs> so give us your stats. How tall are you and how much you weigh? And that's leading to another question. <laughs> I am proudly 5'11 and 3 quarters. Yeah. And they, how high do you high jump? Come on, start bragging on your on your <laughs> hops, baby. The best I've ever high jumped was 6'7". I know. That was my highest ever That's recorded. unbelievable. The last play of the game... The Hail Mary, I watched you. When you got that running start and you leaped, you used every bit of your high jumping ability and you soared over. Did you watch the game film? I I actually have watched already. It's funny. Um, You soared over the entire pile (laughs) and knocked that ball. That was such an athletic (laughs) move, dude. I'm, I'm telling you. Thank you. Yeah, I actually, after the game, I, me and my wife were sitting there at like 1 a.m. and I was like, I am not tired. I'm just going to watch the game. I'm going to watch a TV copy of the game. So that's what I did. What a great game. 
And you're 11 uh, in the 100 meters, you're 11.3. That's pretty fast. So that was actually, I don't feel like that was actually my potential. So the last time I ran that was I was a sophomore in high school. Oh. And so um, I was mainly a hurdler and a high jump and yeah. long jumper. So 10 yard hurdle. Yep, exactly. So uh, those were my main events. And I, I ran the, the 100 meter, like I said, the last time my sophomore year, and I stopped running it later on. But I think I would have gone uh, sub 11, maybe like, and seven, ten, eight. Yeah. Had I kept with it and practiced at it, and we all know the difference of game speed when you get that adrenaline kicking in. But apparently, now that we know what you, what we need to do is just time you in the seventy-yard sprint because you don't have <laughs> to go hundred meters, just seventy yards, and oh. then just make sure your teammates don't run into you and everything's good, baby. Yeah, man, they like <laughs> to give me, they like to give me crap for that. Uh, I should have scored that, but it is what it is. We still ended up getting points. And you still set a record. We were so proud. It was just awesome. Thank you. So we've all heard that big players make big plays in big games. And yet sometimes big players in big games get injured. So let's take us back. You've had this injury-riddled career, came out of high school, committed to the University of Utah in 2016. And take us through a little string of some of the injuries you had that 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 de- derailed your your season or stopped you in your tracks and 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 then I just want to know the mindset and heart set required to come back when you're down. Yeah, for sure. So actually, I com- I was offered and committed in 2015, my senior year. So the fall of my senior year of high school, um, and then in the state championship game, like I want to say like the 21st of November ish. I got, so I dislocated my knee and tore my MCL. In the same injury. Um, this was in high school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah same injury. Yep, yeah. same injury. Um, and that was in, like, the third quarter of the state championship game. I think at that point it was tied or something like that. We ended up losing the game by one touchdown. So that was heartbreaking. Um, so that I had that injury. I went on my official visit the next weekend to Utah and I talked to Freddie. He was like, they were talking about the injury a little bit. He's like, no ACL damage, right? And I was like, nope. And they're like, all right, that's, that's good to hear. It's not too serious. So I ended up running that next track season, and I think I won state in two events there. So I came back from it and uh, from that injury. Anyways, went on my mission, had time to kind of heal, came back. And uh, in 2018, my freshman year, um, I was mainly on special teams. I didn't make the two deep, and so I was mainly on special teams. And in a drill, I, um, on a Thursday practice, which are usually light, I ended up breaking my leg, my fibula, um, in a collision with Bronson Boyd um, in a punt drill. So that kind of sidelined me for six weeks. I came back six weeks later uh, for the Arizona State game and finished the season playing special teams. And Um, that was your sophomore year? That was my freshman freshman year, year, 2018. 2019, um, I was pretty free of injury until – championship game, Pac-12 championship game. Julian Blackman tore his ACL. I went in for him um, and played free safety. And it was... was number 31? I was 10 at that point. That was number 10. Yeah, so that first year I was 31, and then the next year, my sophomore year, sophomore, so 2019, 2020, 2021, I was number 10. Okay. Um, So, yes, I went in for Julian, uh, and I think like two drives later, uh, we force a punt. And so I'm on the punt return team. And I'm holding somebody up, and my knee, like, kind of buckles, gives out, and I tore my ACL, MCL, meniscus. And the same leg? Uh, yep, same knee. Um, all 
one same impact at one time. So um, the crazy thing is I was so in denial that I jogged from the far side of the field back to the sideline. And uh, I was like, no, coach, I'm good. Like, I was telling the doctors, I'm good. Like, I can go back in. I'm fine. And they're looking at my knee, moving it around, doing the test. And like, yeah, you're not fine. So uh, Dude. <laughs> so that I had uh, surgery 2020, January 2020. The 2020 season, we all know, weird season. Five games. Um, I was technically back, but I was at a point where I wasn't rehabbing an herb. I couldn't. I didn't have enough time to rehab to get back for the next game. So I was like, Coach, I, I would love to play, and I know I'm physically capable, but I can't recover in time. My knees have gone through too much trauma. Or really, my left knee at that point. My right knee really hadn't at all at that point. So um, then after the 2020 season, I'm, I'm poised to be the starter in spring ball. I'm, I'm running with the ones as free safety. Um, spring ball goes great. And I end up tearing my right ACL in the spring game. So I had been all through spring spring ball, spring game, tore my ACL, and that ruled me out for the entire season. Um, so I just sat and, and did my rehab in the training room while the other team practiced, or the rest of the team practiced. And uh, I just kind of had this this focus in my mind, like, I'm not done yet. Like, there there's more coming. Like, I have to be resilient. I have to put in the work every single day, and I can't waver at all. And... Uh, if I'm going to commit to this, like I've told my uh, 12-year-old self I was going to, like I need to be on top of everything. I need to be all in. And so I worked my butt off to rehab really both knees at that point because my left knee, I had gone through so much trauma in that knee um, through the surgery. They had repaired so much. The meniscus was shredded. Uh, and then my right knee, of course, was more recent. So I really worked on strengthening those and getting them more stable and uh Come 2022, I'm, I'm back. So yes, here I am now. So I'm just grateful to be on the field. I don't take any rep, any game for granted. This episode is brought to you by Performance Automotive, a fan and a supporter of Utah athletes. We thank you. In the real world, how, do you, how would you counsel someone who's lost a job, lost a loved one, gone through a devastating divorce, anything that seems catastrophic in our lives. As an athlete, I was seriously injured as well and in my career. And it's easy to get down. It's easy to say, woe me. It's easy to blame God. It's easy to blame others. Teach us a little bit about your mindset. Did you learn that from your mom? Did you learn that from your sisters? How early on in your life did you realize that you could get back up and go again no matter how many times you're knocked down, knocked down seven times, get up eight? Yeah, I, I definitely learned that from my mom. My mom is like my rock. I always worked so hard to just make my mom proud. I wanted to be somebody who just rose above my expectations. Like my mom, like I didn't, I came from a childhood where there was a, um, like, like I said, a, almost a broken home where my parents were divorced and I ended up living with uh, my father for a couple years. And I didn't really, he wasn't really around because I had a, uh, or I was in. I was going to school, and he would work night shifts, so he would sleep while, like, during the day while we were home, and so it was really tough. And so um, it was just me and my sister at that point, and we had to kind of learn to rely on each other. And when my mom came and got custody of us, it really helped me a lot to realize, like, my mom had been through a lot as well, just to get the custody of us, and then to deal with like 
having four kids all of a sudden, um, not that she didn't have the four kids, but having the custody of them and being with them all the time. She also worked at that time. Um, and just the dedication she showed to us and how much she loved us showed me that, like, you can really get through anything that you that you put your mind to. And I know that there are some, some circumstances that will hold you back from that, but I really learned a, a great lesson of resilience, determination, and just heart, passion, drive from my mom because of the tough things that she had gone through in life, and that really helped me to apply that to football. So I hope that my story can help people apply that to their lives. So let's apply that to football. <clears throat> so you get beat on a play. How do you come back? How do you forgive yourself? How do you let go, learn the lesson, get back in position, and make a better play next time? How can you quickly let go of the pain, learn the lesson, and just fire up and focus again? You know what? That happened last night. Um, in the fourth quarter. I know. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm telling you, not only am I a fan, I'm a fan of the position of safety, and you are such a great center fielder. Thank you. You are so good. So answer the question because it will, I will be able to relive it and replay it. <laughs> so last night I second-guessed myself. Um, they were in, I want to say, either a trips or an empty formation, but there were three receivers – um, to the field side, which is the right. And it was two of the corners and me. Um, well, we knew based on tendencies, based on formation, that they were going to run a screen. And I second-guessed it. I saw Clark's – the guy that Clark was on go somewhere else. Um, I saw my guy go and block the outside corner, and then I didn't see the other guy go in. Um, but it didn't matter because I knew the play was coming beforehand. I second-guessed it, and I sat on it instead of driving it. And not only that, but when I came up, I missed a tackle, and he ended up scoring the go-ahead touchdown uh, to put them up 42-35. to 35. Okay, so you get over it. I mean, that's you still got six minutes plus to play. Yeah, well, with I, I was disheartened because I didn't know. Like, they're winning now, and, and although our offense was doing great, it was still, like, I thought, like, oh, my goodness, I just gave up the game. Like, I just lost the game for the team. But I had to kind of gather myself, and and my brothers next to me, mainly Cole Bishop, Clark Phillips, yep. like, those guys that were like, we're going to get another chance, and we're going to be all right. Like, we're going to get the ball back to our offense, and they're going to score. Like, whatever it is, at that point, we didn't know we were going to go for two because there was so much time left. Uh, but they, they kind of helped me, pat me on the back. But I had to realize, like, if this, if I get a chance to go in the game again, I can't let that happen again. I have to be there for my teammates, and I have to not second-guess it, and I have to trust in my film study, in everything that we've talked about in our meetings. I have to do my assignment to a T. And so when we got back out there with, like, 40 seconds left, I was like, I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to fly around to get to that ball. Whatever I need to do, I'm going to get there. And uh, sure enough, on that last play, I didn't know it was going to be the last play before the ball was snapped, uh, but – I saw our defensive front did a great job of getting pressure on right away, and uh, I just flew to the ball as fast as I could and gave everything I had. and Soared above away. and beyond. That was a great play. Thank you. Very athletic. Okay, so <clears throat> let me take you back into the mission field for a second because I'm a return missionary proudly. Yeah. And when you have a dream of playing professional football, which we both had, you still have one. You still be playing on Sundays if I have anything to do. Um, and when we decide to break away for two years what did you learn in that experience just tell everybody where you served down in Mississippi Louisiana as we were talking and and 
you know, one or two things that you learn from that experience that all of us can learn. We all need to learn as young men to turn from boys to men, regardless of our religious tradition or not. When you go on a volunteer basis to serve your, your, your fellow mankind and your fellow womankind for two years at your own expense, teach us what that, share what that teaches all of us about service before self mentality that makes us a better team player. Yeah, so I went to the Mississippi Jackson Mission. I served in Forest, Mississippi, Biloxi, Mississippi, um, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and Shreveport, Louisiana. So did you get to go to a football game in Hattiesburg at all? Um, I did not, no. I actually don't think I had been – I went to any football games. I went to yeah. one basketball game in Biloxi, Mississippi, oh, yeah. because there was a member there that played on the team, and he had a lot of teammates that he ended up bringing to church. I love it. What a dude, man. He brought the whole team to church, so – um, that was awesome. So I, I didn't go to any football games at, at Southern Miss or anything like that. But, uh, but, yeah, what I learned from being a missionary was it's not about me. It was It's never about me. It's it's about the collective. It's about the, the bigger group, the bigger picture. It's about the world as a whole. And um, I felt like even if it was a drop in a bucket, like, I felt like I could make a difference there, and, and I really did make a difference there. Um, to, to individual lives, I feel like I impacted maybe one individual life here or, or one individual life there that maybe had a butterfly effect. So um, I'm grateful for that time that I, that I spent, and I felt like that time was well worth it, even though some would argue that those were prime athletic years of my life. Like, there was nothing I would have rather ha- have done during that period of time. Yeah, the Britton Coveys, the Paul Krugers, the... Dan Clarks, yeah, it's <laughs> worth it. So let's get more into the personal side. So every athlete that I know has their own routine to get ready for a game. So I interview Clark Phillips, and I'm like, okay, so what music do you listen to? We got Michael Phelps in the Olympics. He's got his headphones on. He's bopping. He's bumping. He's doing his thing. And we find out he's into rap and into hard rock. And I ask Clark Phillips, and he goes, my dad's a preacher, man. I listen to gospel. I'm like, dude, come on, baby. <laughs> so give us the give us the secret sauce. What do you do when you wake up on game day to prepare yourself physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? What's your routine on game day when you wake up before the game starts? Um, man, it would really depend on the time of the game. Okay, let's say it's a noon game, which is like – Rapid fire, you got to get up and get your adrenaline focused, get your butterflies flying in formation right now. Yeah, so noon game, I – so this is kind of a, a reset thing for me. I have to shower to feel like I've started a new day. or to, And even if that's, like, at the middle of the day, if I have to shower at, like, 1 p.m. or whatever to feel like – to get, like, new life inside of me, oh, yeah. um, that's what I do. I shower, put lotion on, that sort of thing, do my hair. Um and so I have to shower. If I don't shower, like, I'm, I'm going to be all off. So um, so that was, no I would cold, say. The, no cold plunges or anything, or is that after the game? No, that's definitely after the game. Yeah, okay. But uh, I would say that's my biggest thing. I don't really have too many traditions. One of the things that has become a tradition now is FaceTiming my family before I go into the. So cool, especially your wife and your two little boys. Exactly, yeah. What are their names? So my wife's name is Shayla. Yeah. Uh, my oldest boy is Noah. He's 21 months. And then the younger one is two months old. His name is Zay. His full name is Isaiah, but we call him Zay. Okay, so let's interrupt. What's the love story with your woman? Didn't she come from another little teeny tiny town outside of 
Yeah. Las Vegas? Yep. You're going to love this. So she's from Alamo, Nevada, and this is uh, kind of a sister town of Logandale, where I'm from. So her parents actually went to high school, same high school I went to, and they ended up moving to Alamo later, which is about an hour 15 from where I live, um, which for the wilderness in Nevada, that's pretty close. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> I met her at a track meet in high school, um, but we were in middle school. It was at the high school, but we were in middle school. Um, I was going to lift weights after, I think, school or something like that, and she was at the track meet because her mom was a track coach. Well, we just kind of run into each other in at the practice field, and uh, I don't know, she just caught my eye. Like, she just I, – I, I, just ha- I was interested in her right away, and I tried to be around her as much as I could while she was there that night and talk to her or whatever. Uh, anyway, she went back. I ended up getting her phone number, I'm pretty sure, or Snapchat or something like that just to talk to her. Um, well, I I was just, like, smitten by her. I was just so, like, love-struck. And uh, she thought of me as a friend. <laughs> a friend and just a friend. Friend zone right out of the chutes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So for pretty much all of that middle school time and, and all of my high school uh, career, she thought of me as just a friend. And I shot my shot plenty of times, and there was a couple times where she would kind of leave me on red and not reply um, well, it wasn't until after my mission when I became a man that she uh, gave me a real shot. So we went on a date, and um, I didn't hear back from her again for a couple months. And then you know, I was like, you know what? One more time. So I tried December. So we started uh, talking a little bit in December of, tw- of 2018, my freshman year. Um, and really, the rest is history. We just, we just caught fire at that point and started dating and... Uh, we dated all of 2019, um, all of 2020, and uh, in 2021, we got married. So. I love it, man. I love it. This program is brought to you by Performance Automotive, not only a number one fan of Utah sports, Utah athletics, but a huge supporter of our athletes. Okay, so what kind of music do you like, and do you listen to it before the game? Like, right when you go in, put on your pads, you put on the headset, what do you do to get ready for game day? Not game day, but game time. So the, It's so time to go to battle, time yeah. to go to war. What do you do? The funny thing is, I'm not a guy that, like, gets, like, super hyped and got to get the juices flowing and whatever. Like, I honestly put my headphones on to not be bothered. So I, a lot of times, will listen to nothing. I'll just have my headphones on, and, and there won't be anything playing, but I just don't want to be talked to. I want to get in my zone, my my serenity, my uh, my place of peace. And uh, every now and then, I'll listen to some stuff like um, some R&B and stuff like that, or maybe some hip-hop. Excuse me, hip-hop. Drake is my favorite artist, so I'll listen to that. But other than that, I don't really listen to much. It's good just to go over your the tendencies, the film study, and you put in so many hours of preparation. You have a good rep of preparing for the game. Second question, what's your favorite food? And if you default and you come home and no one's there, your beloved wife's not there, no one to help you feed yourself, what food would you cook for yourself? What's your default food if you're all by yourself? This is inspired by my mission, jambalaya. I love jambalaya. So I, do I. Oh, my gosh. I love, I don't know, just all the components of it. I love the, the sausage, sausage shrimp. Yeah, yeah, the vegetables. I love the spice more than anything. Oh, I yeah. love spicy food. So between that and Mexican food, yeah. And you can cook that yourself. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Dude. Yeah. Okay, so the last. My, my wife gets mad at me. She gets <laughs> mad that I don't cook because I'm a good cook. 
But I'm like, I just don't like to do it. I'm good <laughs> at AI, I know, but it's a, it's a laborious. Okay, so last question. What's your favorite movie and why? My favorite movie would have to be a funny movie. You just like to laugh, chill out. Yeah. I can tell. But I one go, of your I, favorite I go back. <clears throat> the Beauty and the Beast live action from 2017. I didn't see it. It came out while I was on my mission. I didn't see it till I got home from my mission. And I watched it, and I was like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. This is incredible. I've probably watched it 150 times since then. <laughs> in this, like, what, four, four and a half years-ish? So I love that movie, and so does my wife. So let's just get down to the nitty-gritty. <clears throat> so we have R.J. Hubert. Where do you want to be? What's your, what's your dream when you get out of the University of Utah? He's been an, an academic uh Pac-12 academic scholar, I mean, uh, academic list twice now. And uh, so far, so good this year. So he's smart, talented, and he never says never. He's wanted, important, lovable, capable, and he can succeed. But where where do you see yourself in a year from now? What are you studying in school? What's your business, your, your, your professional pursuit? There's a good chance you could still play on Sunday. We know that you got the right body type and you got the leap still. You haven't lost your hops. <laughs> you got the right attitude, the right focus, the right desire. Just in a snapshot, tell us about what your dream is and what your major is and where you think you're going. Yeah, so I majored, so I've already graduated. Um, I majored in communication and I minored in Spanish. I learned Spanish on my mission. I actually took five years of Spanish prior to my mission and um, yeah, my mission helped a lot to kind of um, get more fluent in, in Spanish. So um, I would say, I obviously, a year from now, I would like to be playing on Sundays. Absolutely. I would like to be in the NFL. That's always been my dream. And I feel like that would not only be important for me and for my dreams, but just from the small town I came from, I feel like just making those people proud, like giving them a jersey to wear and giving them a team to root for, like – Somebody from Moapa Valley made it to the NFL. That would be something to brag about. So um, I want to make the, the Valley proud, and uh, I want to make, of course, my family proud So and be able to take care of them as well. So uh, that's definitely what I want to do. But other than that, I've always been more interested in entrepreneurial-type endeavors. I want to take care of uh, my family, of course, and I know that those would be great ways to do that. But I also want to be able to, to spend time with my family and – be at my own mercy of when I need time off and that sort of thing. So uh, that's kind of what I've been uh, leaning towards most recently. So there you have it. R.J. Hubert, superstar number 11, <clears throat> extraordinary safety, who just taught us that when you put focus on everybody else, your life turns out exactly like you want it to. Good friend of mine, mentor uh, Zig Ziglar, he reminds us what you're about, I think, my friend. You can get anything in this life that you want if you're willing to help enough other people get what they want. And when I watch you play out there flying, so intense, focused on every play, you can tell it's it's all about you don't want to let anybody down, especially yourself, your teammates, your family. Your God, I'm so proud to meet you, and I'm so glad you were on this program. So all of us get a, a, a glimpse behind the doors of R.J. Hubert. Let's cheer you on for the rest of your life, bro. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate it.
The views and opinions expressed on the Power Players podcast do not necessarily reflect those of KUTV or Sinclair Broadcast Group.